Welcome to the Chartered Trading Standards Institute EU Exit Podcast. I'm Paul Evans. In this podcast, updated in January 2021 following the agreement of a deal between the UK and the EU, we'll be taking a look at how fair trading law will be affected by the UK's exit from the European Union. Peter Stoneley, CTSI Joint Lead Officer for Fair Trading, takes us through the key points of the potential impact of a new legislative regime on trading standards enforcement at a time when it is already severely stretched by the dual crises of budget cuts and COVID-19. Because the majority of EU consumer protection law was already found in UK domestic legislation, there appears to be little imminent effect to the actual legislation from EU exit. However, many technical amendments have been made. Among the benefits are the opportunity for the UK to amend domestic legislation that will no longer be required to meet EU directives, particularly where maximum harmonisation is demanded. This may enable the UK to adapt legislation quicker and to tailor it to the UK market, for the benefits of both consumers and traders. However, there are some downsides, particularly for businesses. For example, many UK companies that buy from suppliers in the EU may now be responsible for any injuries caused by products they import. They will effectively be treated as though they made the goods when the manufacturer is outside the UK. Peter started things off by explaining the purpose of the lead officer role. My name is Peter Stonely. I'm one of the joint lead officers for Fair Trading Civil Law for the Chartered Trading Standards Institute. And I'm also a member of the CTSI's Brexit think tank, where I cover the whole fair trading brief. The UK has implemented the directives through domestic legislation. So the majority of our domestic legislation has its roots in EU directives. In many ways, we don't even know it's there in terms of Europe. It's the legislation we refer to that we know. And sometimes that European link can be forgotten. To give you two examples, or perhaps three, um, the consumer contract regulations and the consumer protection for unfair trading regulations, two massive bits of criminal enforcement law, both have their roots in directives the consumer contracts regulations in the consumer rights directive and the consumer protection regulations in the unfair commercial practices directive they're both maximum harmonization directives so we have the same law in place in uk as the rest of europe on the other hand the consumer rights act which sets out consumers rights when buying goods services and digital content is in part influenced by eu directives because it implements the directive on consumer goods and associated guarantees so a lot of consumers rights when buying goods come from europe their remedies do as well although we've uh, added to the european requirements because it's a minimum harmonization directive and we've actually given consumers or continued the right of consumers to have a short-term right a 30-day right to rejected goods are faulty we are in advance of europe at the moment in that we've also got consumer rights for buying digital content and also when buying services so very much our law is the same or in some cases slightly better than eu law I'm probably a bit different to my colleagues on the the Brexit think tank when I can say that in the short to medium term, I can't really see much impact in the the wider areas of these law because they are domestic pieces of legislation. They stand there. They're not necessarily linking to European standards or other European codes. So 
the legislation will continue much as it is. So what I'm seeing in terms of the actual written legislation is that we're going to see some technical changes and where we've got links to Europe, they will have to go. And, and to give you an example of that, under Part 8 of the Enterprise Act, Trading Standards and the Competition Markets Authority, as well as other bodies, can bring injunctive action or accept undertakings where a trader engages in a course of conduct that harms the collective interests of consumers. Now, there's two lists of legislation that fall under that uh, banner for harming collective interests of consumers. One set is called domestic legislation, so that picks up our own domestic-only legislation, such as contract law negligence, and some aspects of the Consumer Rights Act. But we also have community infringements, which links to our domestic legislation that comes from European directives. So in that list, we'll see the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations, the consumer contract regulations, and some aspects of the Consumer Rights Act. And the only change is a technical one that at the moment community infringements are called community infringements. They're going to be given a much less exciting title of Schedule 13 infringements. The extra legislation stays in place. The level of protection stays in place. It's just the words that are different. So generally in the field of fair trading, it's just a few changes of words. It's business as usual as far as the law is concerned. There could be challenges with criminal law enforcement uh, across Europe. That does worry me. I, it may well be that um, there will be businesses in the European Union that feel now their risks of being caught if they target UK consumers will be less and therefore it's worth a go. And I think the whole issue of scams associating with the EU exit is a very big worry. But being optimistic, I'm, I'm sure our colleagues in the Competition and Markets Authority will be working hard to develop some form of arrangements to allow cooperation because those problems or challenges can go the other way as well. With regard to interpretation of um, fair trading law, as I've said earlier, the majority of our domestic legislation has roots in Europe and therefore has benefited from some helpful judgments by the European Court of Justice and some very helpful guidance produced by the EU. That guidance benefits from activities and action are taken across all member states. So it probably allows the laws to develop at a quicker pace than we would just have in, in the UK alone. And it will depend on how strictly UK courts have to follow ECJ precedents, at which stage they can actually diverge from those opinions. I think that is a worry in terms of losing the development of the law uh, when we might read this being the CJ judgment, which is very helpful, uh, and not necessarily know whether that will still uh, be relevant to the UK. So I think that is a concern that the Brexiteers will say, with some justification perhaps, that it does mean the UK courts will be freer to come up with our own better interpretation and that must benefit. And maybe it will, but I guess in all, like in all court cases, court cases, it depends which side of the case you're on, whether you think that's a good thing or not. It just feels strange to see legislation that is so um, EU-derived sort of standing on its own um, and watching developments in Europe without necessarily benefiting from them. So that, that does concern me.
I might be one of the few lead officers that actually has an element of optimism with regard to um, EU exit, because I think this does present us with a real opportunity to improve one piece of legislation. The consumer contracts regulations uh, set out requirements for consumers to have information and the right to cancel in certain circumstances, particularly when they buy goods, services or digital content at a distance or off trade premises, so essentially in their homes. There's been a five-year review of these regulations and, and CTSI responded to that review. We have real concerns about the complexity of those regulations, particularly how they affect the off-premises traders, which are going to be predominantly people selling home improvements and other products in the homes they require incredibly complicated amounts of information they also set in place some very strange calling off periods so as an example if you buy goods and they're delivered to your home if it's online it makes sense you've got 14 days to cancel but if you employ a trader to supply and fit something in your home let's say a new radiator and the contract was agreed in your home and you've got this 14 day calling off period it actually starts when the contract is agreed and ends 14 days after the radiator is fitted. And it does seem rather strange for consumers to have a right to take the radiator off the wall and hand it back, particularly as the trader can deduct for loss in value and so on. So as another example, we had new fascia and guttering put on part of our house. Our calling off period started when the contract was agreed and continued right through to 14 days after all the fascia and guttering was in place. I'm not sure what those last 14 days are for, really, because it would be very hard to get up there, rip it off and then send it back. And if we did so, uh, they'd reduce the value to practically nothing. And this does bring some problems. It also links to some concern we have about goods made to a consumer's specification where products such as double glazing, uh, which are sold in the home, and sadly a sector which does have a reputation for pressure selling. The double glazing is, in our view, exempt uh, from the right to give cancellation, uh, and that doesn't make sense. So we would certainly like to see for off-premises contracts, the uh, cooling off period being 14 days from the date of contract when goods are involved as it is for services, only off-premises, leave distance selling as it is, and then we can get rid of that exemption as well. I think that will benefit consumers. It will benefit business with clarity. Now, that's great, and we'd love to do it, but we can't do it because this is a maximum harmonisation directive. And as Bayes reported in their review, there were issues that need to be addressed, but they can't be addressed because the directive limits us. And that might also pick up the fact that way goods are sold might be quite different across member states and this may be a problem that's more peculiar to the UK. So after EU exit, we will be able to improve those regulations, in, in my view, for the benefit of consumers and businesses, leaving the distance selling aspects as they are because UK businesses will want to still trade across Europe and, and should still benefit from a level playing field in the medium to short short to medium term at least. So there is an area where I think we, that we could see some improvements and I hope that we will be pushing Bayes hard to look at how we could make those regulations much better for everybody. As part of the EU's digital single market strategy, we've seen three directives come along which need to be implemented in the next, well, by the beginning of 2022. These are important directives. Uh, one of them concerns 
goods rights and would involve some changes to the existing Consumer Rights Act. They're not uh, drastic. The last draft of the directive included the right for member states to still give a, effectively a 30-day short-term rights reject. So that directive would have some benefits. Uh, the EU have also introduced a new directive for consumers across the European Union buying digital content. Now, we've already got that to some extent in the Consumer Rights Act, uh, but this directive takes things a little bit further possibly to digital content through the likes of social media channels and that so it could be challenging but again that's not something the UK will have to implement if they don't want to yet there may be a benefit for uh, UK businesses who are trading across the single digital market to work in the environment where rights and responsibilities are the same. So in terms of those two directives, I don't think they are drastic. I think we would benefit from having them, uh, those changes brought in through domestic law. The third directive is, is much sort of far wider reached and, and there's an omnibus directive which is going to do a number of things. It's going to push for higher penalties for breaching legislation on unfair terms, unfair commercial practices and consumer rights, much along the, the way that the current data protection regulations do. And that would be perhaps a, an indication of how serious consumer detriment is and how it should be dealt with. There's also, um, in terms of unfair commercial practices, the directive uh, wants to require online search results to indicate where payments are being made for higher rankings to state that where product reviews are submitted by consumers without any steps to actually check that they've come from consumers and also there's going to be a ban practice of paying someone to submit false consumer reviews or endorsements or misrepresenting consumer reviews in order to promote a product now those are good pieces of consumer protection they relate to matters that we've already identified as problematical in the UK so I hope the government will still take the opportunity to bring about changes identical or the same because consumers and, and legitimate businesses will benefit from them also with regard to consumer rights to information there's going to be some wider requirements for information again something that the the uk government picked up in their consumer green paper this would include indicating where personalized pricing is used by some automated method and i think the consumer green paper really brought that to many of our attentions that some of the websites will actually indicate prices based on our previous browsing uh, as an example perhaps if we bought the sub the price the product before through that website then the automatic software would actually identify that and probably hold the price higher because we may not be so sort of price sensitive to a bargain if we want to buy the same product again so i think we need to see clear views from the government on in terms of how they will bring in this these new directives uh, because I think it's important that UK businesses are still competing on a, a common set of rules and it's a very personal opinion but I find it hard to see that the EU won't remain a major market for a lot of UK businesses and it's a lot easier for businesses to know that the rules are the same wherever they are so I think it's important that 
the government does take notice of these new directives and bring them in in national legislation. EU exit will present extra work for trading standards. We know that trading standards services are severely diminished by budget cuts, but there are other real drains on trading standards services at the moment, COVID being the, the, the best example. And I think that COVID and shortage of resources will cause problems. I think it's far fair to say at the moment that COVID is certainly taking the attention of both trading standards and businesses understandably. COVID and Brexit almost feels like me to be the perfect storm that they really need like a hole in the head and that is going to produce real challenges for everybody. Well that's it for now. Thanks to Peter Stonely for speaking to us and thank you for listening. This episode forms part of a series of podcasts and other materials designed to help trading standards professionals make sense of EU exit. It complements the modules in the CTSI EU exit training portal. Be sure to check out the rest of the podcasts, each of which is themed around a different area of trading standards. More resources are available from CTSI at www.tradingstandards.uk forward slash EU exit. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye.